we would make room for you. That nothing else would matter. And God, I pray that especially for these graduates, that throughout the, the next few years, if they're going to school or if they're beginning work, if they're going into the military, God, that you would allow them to find a way to make room for you. Because, God, we know that their lives will flourish if you're a part of it. God, we ask that you bless this church, you bless every member, every person that's in this room today. God, we love you. wonderful day of celebration. Four graduating seniors, a room full of students, preteens, parents, church members, family member, and friends, all gathered to rejoice in this huge accomplishment. And we hope that all four of you guys know that we are so proud of you. You have spent the last 13 years learning and growing to become who you are today, the adult that you now are, the influence that you are, the leader that you are. I'm reminded of what God's word says in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. I'm going to read the message version. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designed on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and every one. Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life many, many years ago. And there's a reason that that book sold over 50 million copies in over 137 different languages. The book touches a nerve with people today. You see, most of us are tired and weary of the same old, same old. We come to church. We don't want to feel like we attend, that we attend, that we're simply just going through the motions. People no longer come to church because it's the right thing to do. I mean, it is. But people come now because they're looking for something easy. Right? Right. We come here looking to find our purpose in life. Because at some point in every one of us, we pause and we ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? One of these questions that we ask is this, what on earth am I here for? Because life is more than work. It's more than school. It's more than food. It's more than sleep. It's more than all of these things. Yet we spend one-third of our lives sleeping and one-third of our lives working and probably way too much time reading. And somewhere in all that, we ultimately find ourselves stopping to ask, what is it that should be driving my life? Many people are driven by the wrong things. Guilt, anger, 
resentment, fear. We allow our past to control our future. And let me tell you that Satan is so pleased when we allow our past to consume our present. We are products of our past, yes. But we do not need to be prisoners of our past. This only allows our past to continue to hurt us. And that's not at all what God has for us. Listen, for some of you students, school has been or is the best time of your life. But I would expect that some of you, maybe most of you, are so ready to be done with it. Done with the stress, the homework, the drama, trying to keep up with the social status that other teenagers have tried to force on you. And the good news is, for the four of you, the next few days, you seniors will walk across the stage and never have to deal with that chaos again. And several of you other students are getting closer and closer to your time to move on as well. And what you don't realize is it will be here before you know it. And that's when the big questions come, the ones that really matter. Who will I be? What can I Spoiler alert, I know the simplified answer to the question, what on earth am I doing? It is to live your life on purpose, with a purpose, for Jesus. So how do we do that? There's two big ways to live life with abundance and time. The first one, take the time and find your purpose. There's three ways you can live your life with purpose. When you understand these concepts, you'll have a better grasp on who you were created to be. First, you were planned to make money. Numbers 6, 24, 26 says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give your peace, give you peace. The NLT version says, May the Lord smile down on you. The smile of God should be the number one goal in your life and mine. In other words, figure out what will please God and do it. Here's another spoiler. The things that please God are written in his book. That's where you'll find your purpose. Second, you were created to become like Christ. From the very beginning, God's plan has been to make you into the image of his son, Jesus. This is the ultimate goal for us in character development. God wants us to, to use the fruit of the spirit to develop in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants us to learn to put on the very mind of Christ and learn to think like Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 2.5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That is your purpose, to become more like Christ every day. 
Now, one of the things we must remember here is that this is a process. It's not an event. It's a long, slow process of growth. But think of it like this. If you look back from where you were five years ago, and there's been no change in your life, something is wrong. But if you can see how much you have grown in Christ, you're doing it right. Your character is becoming more and more prominent. There are three things that God uses to mold our character. They are his word, his people, and our circumstances. Here's how that works. God provides the truth we need to grow through his written word, the Bible. God provides the support that we need to grow through his people. And God provides the circumstances that we need to enable us to become more like him. You cannot do this in isolation. You can only do it when you find community with God's people in his church. Find a new church if you plan to move away immediately. If not, get more involved in this church. You must get connected with a group who plan to finish, if you plan to finish this race. If your commitment is for a lifetime, you've got to stay connected with him. To the word, to his people, and to what God is doing in your circumstances. See, the misconception is that our spiritual life is that one hour a week we spend in worship or in our Sunday services, and perhaps that other hour that we spend in our Bible study group, and somehow we think that that's the sum of our spiritual life, but that's only two hours a week. Life is much bigger than that. God gives us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 168 hours to live for him. And many of these other hours are when God is at work in our circumstances, developing his character in us. So don't separate those. All these times when God allows something difficult to happen in your life, that's a time when God's giving you an opportunity to develop your character. We worry about what career we will choose, and that matters. But it's not the bigger question. What God cares about the most is whatever you do, do it in the context of his character. Peter was a fisherman. Paul was a tent maker. Amos was a sheep herder. Luke was a doctor. But those aren't the things that we know them for. We know them for being devout followers of Christ, for living like Jesus. We are human beings, not human doers. You will take your character into heaven, not your circumstances. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't care about the work you do. There's an old saying that I believe to be 100% correct. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Find that yourself. And thirdly, you were shaped for serving God. You and I were not placed here on earth to simply exist. We were placed here to make a contribution, to make a difference. Paul put it this way. We are simply God's servants, each of us 
doing the work that the Lord has given us to do. Each one of us does the work that God gives us to do. That's how it has been designed. God made you on purpose for a purpose, and he shaped you in a very unique way to enable you to make a contribution to life that nobody else can make. The gifts God has given you, use them to glorify him. You do that, he will give you more gifts. Remember the parable of the talents? Let's read it together in Matthew 25, 14 through 21. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one of them, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their ability. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account on how they used his money. The servant whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had, had, who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. And the master again said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money into the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. This is one of my favorite parables because it tells us God always gives you what you need. You students have gifts. You've been given gifts and talents for a reason. Use them, and he will bless you with more. Fight through the fear that everyone has and trust that his purpose for you is greater than you can even imagine. You can do more 
and you know you can do it. And the biggest part of faith is trusting that God's plan is already laid out for you. And you have the power to live it out. You just have to trust God. The second way to live life in the abundance of life is to remember your remember the Sabbath. Remember your life and the sacrifices the key people in your life have made for you. Your parents, your grandparents, your coaches, your teachers, your pastors, these people have loved you since they have known you. Your parents remember the day you were born. When you came home from the hospital, when you took your first steps. The first day of school, your first game, your first day of high school, your first prom, your first everything. They were there with you through it all. And even though they get on your last nerves sometimes, you cannot deny that they love you. They helped shape you into who you are today. So thank them. Appreciate them. Remember them. Include them in your life. greatest way to remember is to celebrate on Sunday morning regularly. Today as a church, we're going to remember together with you for the last time before you are officially a high school graduate. The body and the blood of Christ are gifts that were given for you and to you so that you might live life abundantly. The moment that you chose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior was the single most important decision of your life. And now, because of that decision, you have hope for your future. A future that is bright and beautiful because Christ lives in you. So today, we highly encourage you graduates to gather with your parents for your final communion as a family. And after we pray, we will take the bread, the body of Christ, and remember that his body was broken for you. And we will take the cup, the blood of Christ, and remember that his blood was poured out for you. Remember that throughout this life. He is with you. No matter what you face, he is with you. Understand that this life will not be easy. There will be trials and struggles and hard times. But the good news is, you're not alone. And the battle belongs to you. Not you. The very best advice I can give you is to know him. Love him, follow him, and let him lead and guide you throughout your life. When you face a battle, get on your knees and let him fight it for you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says,
let them know that the Lord your heart and your mind, your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path fresh. Cut in half the sinews of your heart. Before we pray, I want to give you a little tidbit of information. Before, I mentioned that some of you, for some of you, these these high school moments may have been the very best times of your life. But another school is is nowhere near the best moments of your life. You haven't even seen the greatest accomplishments in your future. Someday, you will be where all these adults in this room are, and you will understand that the real beauty of this life is just beginning for you. Up until graduation, you have been learning and growing under your parents' guidance. But from this moment on, you're living it for yourself. So live it well with the purpose that God has given you and always remember where you're coming from. We are incredibly blessed with God. And we will always be praying if you would, go to your families and let's celebrate communion together. Father, I thank you so much for this school. I thank you that you have given them the purpose that you have put on them. And God, I ask that you bless each and every one of them right now in this room. And you bless their families and you bless their parents. God, I know this is a hard moment for, for moms and dads.